0: You're listening to Lost or Found, the show where we think about how we can live healthier, happier, and more fulfilled lives.
1: And now, here's your host, Dr. Michelle Choi. Hello folks, welcome back to Lost or Found. If I sound congested, scratchy, and off, you're totally right, I have a cold. It's really interesting to me lately what you can catch on audio if you keep on doing it consistently. Last week was spring break for my kids, and my in-laws were in town visiting from Massachusetts. It was a really nice visit, but I sort of knew I was in trouble when I saw my cute little nephew come up with the idea to make lemonade in his hands as he squeezed the lemon right onto his palm and dipped his french fries into it or when he just wanted the ketchup and would dip multiple fingers straight into it as he licked his fingers like a lollipop. And sure, there were a lot of dried boogers and runny noses everywhere. But yes, I knew I was in trouble then. Colds are certainly possible again as the masks are coming off. On today's show, we have Dr. Manath Shirsegar, who is a board-certified Ayurvedic doctor. He provides Ayurvedic consultations at his clinic in Santa Cruz, California, and teaches both health professionals as well as the community how to care for their health and well-being. Providing a holistic approach to medicine, his philosophy of healing revolves around diet, yoga, meditation, detoxification, nutrition, and effective stress management. Dr. Manas comes from a strong lineage of Ayurvedic healers. His dad, Dr. Suha's sheer cigar, wrote The Hot Belly Diet and Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life. I've been reading his second book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, which I find very interesting. I think it's also really helpful when self-help books are written in such a way so that we can understand it. And it's not rocket science to deduce the meaning from the words. I think this is where my English as a second language kicks in. I need for it to be simple. Anyway, back to the book. Something that really shocked me as a primary care doctor is the number of people on prescription sleeping pills and the number of people who ask for them. It always shocked me a little that so many people needed pills to fall asleep. And it also saddened me considering sleeping should be something natural and innate to all of us. But a lot of people have trouble sleeping. And Dr. Suhas brings up sleep in his book. From the Ayurvedic perspective, sleep is as important to good health as the food you eat and the air you breathe because the body cannot thrive while deprived of rest. Most of us are conscious of how we spend our day and what we do in our day, but I think we're not giving sleep its proper credence. One of the ideas that I found particularly interesting in his book is that sometimes we think when our weight creeps up, it's just because of our diet. But Dr. Suhas writes that it's also related to our lack of sleep. He states in his book I tell my patients that if you aren't getting to sleep at the right time, no diet will make you thin and no exercise regimen will make you fit. He brings up a study in Europe who have been tracking sleep patterns of working adults and found that for the last decade, they found that people have been getting four minutes of less sleep each year. But after a decade, that's 40 minutes less we sleep as we wake up at the same time. The lack of sleep changes our metabolism and makes weight loss impossible. It reduces our metabolic rate, where our body burns fewer calories in a 24-hour period, because when we don't get enough rest, our body senses that we need to conserve energy. And at the same time, when we get less sleep and our bodies burn less energy, It's going to crave starchy, sweet snacks that give you a sugar rush, but without the nutrients. You can experience increased insulin resistance after just five days of reduced sleep, so your body ends up storing more fat. Sleep is also a powerful anti-inflammatory, and people who have chronic sleep issues or sleep less than they should have larger inflammatory markers in their bodies. He recommends sleeping at a consistent time, no later than 10:30 p.m., and waking up at a consistent time even on the weekends. He writes that naps and sleeping in on the weekends, for example, don't provide the quality of rest that you can get by sleeping when your body expects to sleep. Instead, it's a heavy sleep that leaves you groggy. With all of our activities available to us, working late, eating late, our smartphones and TV to relax, we trick our bodies into releasing melatonin later in the evening, and the delay prevents us from getting drowsy. Melatonin is a hormone that our brains produce to help regulate our circadian rhythm, our 24-hour internal clock, and with sleep. Being exposed to light at night can block melatonin production, but melatonin doesn't just make you sleepy, It circulates in our blood to let our organs know that rest and restoration has begun. Our bodies are still really busy when we sleep, as it's during this time that it clears out the debris from cells, producing hormones and enzymes that you need to function optimally the next day. And perhaps another factor contributing to our weight gain, heartburn, digestive issues, and cardiac problems is that we aren't sleeping enough nor early enough. So consider turning off your TV and smartphones at 8:30 pm. friends. At nighttime, read books without light in them. I think we all have to remember that our nighttime routines should be a routine. If we want to begin to really sleep again, we can prepare for sleep by getting rid of the electronics after a certain time, eat earlier during the day, get more natural light during our day to train our body and mind for sleep so that we don't need to rely on sleeping pills. Dr. Suhas provides some practical tips to include in your nighttime regimen, like reading a book, taking a bath, drinking warm almond milk, writing in the journal to write down your feelings. He writes that some studies have shown that writing about your problems or about a distressing event for just 20 minutes helps you discharge your negative feelings and feel more peaceful, even if the problem isn't yet solved. And on to today's interview with Dr. Manas Shearsagar.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Manas. Welcome to Lost or Found.
2: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Awesome. And you know, as we begin, would you mind telling our audience about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Dr. Manas Sagar. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner here in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. Uh, we have a full in residence Panchakarma center. Um, and for those of you that don't know what Panchakarma is, stay tuned. Uh, but I've been here for. Uh, My parents actually have been here for 15 years. They've had a clinic here for 15 years. Uh, They're both classically trained diabetic physicians as well. Uh, So I always, you know, jokingly say that I don't know that I ever had a choice becoming a doctor, Uh, but (laughs) it is something that runs in the family.
0: You're raised, and then hopefully you love it. (laughs) Absolutely. Wonderful. You know, I read that Ayurvedic medicine is one of the oldest healing modalities and systems. Can you begin to describe it for us? And it's like its basis?
2: Yes, it, it is. You're, you're absolutely correct. It's over 5,000 years old. Uh, and all of the, the, I would say, modern uh, alternative forms of medicine, even TCM, uh, acupuncture, uh, homeopathy, these all stem from Ayurveda. And when you look at some of the parallels, they all talk about the exact same things, and those are the elements. Right? We look at the body as uh, made up of elements: earth, air, water, fire, space. And it's interesting because how much we're all composed of the exact same elements, right? Uh, but what sets us apart is the predominance of each of those elements: how much fire you have, or how much earth you have. And when you look at it in that sense, and you look at your lifestyle and uh, your your daily habits, it gives you a better indication of how you need to live your life so that it is conducive for health. Okay, let me give you an example. We say this all the time in conversation. Oh, you know, she's so fiery, uh, or he's so airheaded, right? But these are genuine characteristics that make up a person whether a person is social, creative, outgoing, or they're more calm, grounded, nurturing, stable. And these adjectives are what we're looking for when we use the the different characteristics in Ayurveda to describe a person. And so Ayurvedic medicine is absolutely personalized and it is a complete lifestyle medicine. One of the first questions that I ask uh, in in my practice to my patients is, Can you tell me about your day? When you look at a lot of the modern diseases and disorders that people are, are being diagnosed with, they're all chronic lifestyle disorders. High blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, dyslipidemia, all of these things. And they didn't happen overnight. These are things that have been going on for many, many years, or at least, at the very least, many months of imbalances in the body. Uh, to where now they're starting to manifest as symptoms. When I'm able to look at their entire day and they're able to tell me, well, I wake up at this time or I eat breakfast at this time or I exercise at this time, I'm able to see exactly what it is that's causing these imbalances. Okay? If the first thing you're drinking uh, as soon as you wake up in the morning is a, a big cup of black coffee, well, of course, you're going to be a little bit more anxious throughout the day. If you're getting home late or you work late and, and you're not eating dinner until 1030, 11 o'clock and then going to bed, well, of course, you're going to have the, the precursors to leaky gut or IBS. Right? And so all of these things are uh, it's a form of lifestyle medicine. And every single research article, every single journal, a medical journal is all talking about the exact same things nowadays. Right. And that is eat right, move your body, get good quality rest and sleep, and figure out a way to manage your stress. That's it.
0: And like that's social connections.
2: Me- yeah, that's all medicine comes down to. And I've been fortunate enough to, to be in this uh, field, in this line of work, uh, because I really do get to spend good quality time with my patients. Uh, you said on one of your previous podcasts, you know, the, that seven-minute model where you're seeing 20, 25, 30 people a day is is not cutting it. You you barely get to know these people, much less get to the root cause of their imbalances.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, there's a new field called lifestyle medicine, but, you know, reading up on Ayurvedic, it seems like even, would you even say lifestyle medicine is a stem from, you know, Ayurvedic?
2: Absolutely absolutely. Yeah. In 2018, the Nobel Prize went to uh, two chronobiologists from Germany, uh, Sweden, I believe. Uh, But they were studying this exact concept of how time affects the body and how if your body is able to tell you what time it is, as opposed to vice versa, you are considered healthier. So if your body feels sleepy at the same time every day, if you wake up naturally at the same time every day without an alarm clock, if you feel hungry at the same time every day, if you get a natural burst of energy, which is when you're supposed to exercise at the same time every day, that's how you know that your lifestyle is conducive to your physiology and, and your physical health.
0: Because it's working.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's kind of funny because that, the, the fact that you bring that up, all of those things that we think that don't matter, like sleeping at like a consistent time or eating consistently, all of it really does matter.
2: Absolutely. And it's funny because, um, I, I always say that people come to me and they eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, they go to bed whenever they see fit, they, you know, uh, exercise at odd hours. Um, they have sex at weird times. And then they come to me and they want a natural remedy. They want something all natural. They don't want to do for ph- pharmaceuticals. They go, well, you're, you're breaking the laws of nature, right? Waking up at, at uh, 10, 10 a.m. and staying asleep at uh, or going to bed at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And you expect to be aligned with the, the rhythms of nature. It's not how it works. Um, when you look at all the animals uh, in the world, you know, what's the first thing you see a, a cat or a dog do when they wake up in the morning?
0: Stretch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right? And this is the first thing that we should be doing. Right? Move and, and either get the peristaltic movement started, drink some hot water, warm water, and move the body. The first thing that we do is we usually pick up our cell phones right? or turn on the news. And and all of this sensorial input begins. And so Ayurveda is really just about understanding your physical makeup. We call it Prakriti. Prakriti is your innate body constitution. This is something that you're born with. This is something that will never change. It's your parents' fault. You're stuck with it. That's one portion of it. Think of that as your genetics. Ayurveda deals with the other half, which is the epigenetics. And we're learning more and more, even in modern medicine, Western medicine, um, that epigenetics has a lot more to do with your health than even your genes and gene expressions because those certain things can be turned on and off.
0: Like and how so when genes you... are expressed, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. And so when you look at your prakriti, which is your innate body constitution, And you look at your vikriti which is your current imbalance what's happening in the body right now all of this stems from what's happening around you majority of the times usually a lot of it has to do with diet and routine but it's the environment that you're in okay if i pick you up and drop you off in the uh high desert let's say vegas or you know somewhere in phoenix what how is your body going to react well it's going to dry up if you're not used to that dry hot weather right your skin is going to uh, dry your your mouth is going to dry out and that's how your body will respond if you continue to live in that area and continue with those imbalances well that's all your body's going to know and so when you look at um, why people that live close to the, the equator and in tropical areas, why they are blessed <laughs> with such delicious fruits and vegetables? Right, they're high water content. Uh, you look at coconut water, papayas, uh, mangoes. All of these uh, have high water content. It's because it's good for the hot heat that they're in, that they have to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of this term called locavore? Locavore,
0: like eating what's local.
2: Mm-hmm. Within a hundred mile mm-hmm. radius. When I was uh, doing rotations in Iowa, I often asked myself, I wonder where the sushi comes from. <laughs> There's not any body of water remotely close by. Uh, but especially living here in California, we're blessed to be able to eat anything and everything at any time of the year. But if you can eat in accordance to the seasons, in accordance to the the, the place that you're at, uh, the local foods, fruits and vegetables uh, that grow around you. This is what will align you with nature. And we're nothing but those same elemental characteristics that are found around us.
0: I find what you say so fascinating, like aligning ourselves with nature, you know, even though we're natural beings, I think this is something that we've really forgotten, considering how convenient life has become, you know, like, like really not even remembering what's obvious or how important that routine is, and how the answer is much more closer than we think when we almost like nowadays, it seems like we live forgetting how the answer is within us.
2: Exactly. I, I couldn't have said it better. We are human doings and no longer human beings. We get caught up in this sort of hustle and bustle of modern lifestyle. And unfortunately, we forget that we're very rudimentary creatures. Our, our, our bodies are not all that enlightened to where they know that, oh, the external environment is not real. Or this is temporary. Your body responds to stress in the exact same way it usually would, whether it's a real or a perceived stress. And if you're uh, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, uh, there's certain processes that take place in the body. Right? Your blood thickens uh, just in case you get bit. Um, all of the the blood leaves the thoracic cavity and goes to the extremities in case you need to fight or fight. Um, adrenaline, cortisol are released. Some of these stress hormones are released. And so all of this happens. Unfortunately, when you're sitting at your desks in front of your computer and you get uh, an email from your boss, for those 30 seconds, there where you, you open up the email and you don't know what it's going to be about, your body is under that same stress. And it cannot differentiate that My life is not in danger while I'm sitting in front of the computer screen, but it will undergo those same processes because of the hormones that are released during a stress response, right?
0: And never turn off
2: and never turn off. It takes eight hours for those hormones to dissipate out of the bloodstream. So that means you have to go eight hours without having a single stressor. Do you know how many most people have? Most Americans have. How many? Eight stressors a day. This could be something like uh, being late for work, being stuck in traffic, uh, getting in a, an argument with your spouse or partner, you know, uh, kids getting on your nerves, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. These are Or a
0: bad mom- boss that's constant, right?
2: Exactly. <laughs> bad
0: exactly. work environment. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. You know, you must have noticed, like, your, I'm sure your parents have as well, like, how much Western medical care has changed, you know? How do you, and I, I really feel you described it, but just so that the audience understands, how do you feel Ayurvedic medicine adds to Western medical care? Because I think Western medical care is great when you have an emergency, when you have that heart attack or stroke, we can do something about it so that you don't, you know, it's death is not the answer, you know, but I feel like there's other many ways that it w- in which it can improve that we've kind of lost sight of as well. How do you feel like Ayurvedic medicine can contribute or complement Western medical care?
2: Well, the, the allopathic model in itself is a little bit dated, right? A hundred years ago, uh, you went to the doctors only when you, were, you, you had uh, an infection uh, or a virus or something like that, right? And you were given antibiotics or you were given a, an injection and then you were sent home and everything was okay. We're applying that same quick fix mentality to chronic disorders. Right? You now have diabetes. So here have some uh, uh, take an injection, right? Or here's a here's a pill. Right? Here's some. Uh, uh, and so what what is happening is people are um, attributing their chronic, poor lifestyle decisions and poor diets and poor habits with something that needs a quick fix. They think that they can live like this for 30 years, and then, uh, you know, a a tablet of metformin is going to fix them, or glipizide is going to cure them. And that's not how it works, They've been out of balance for so long, that it takes just as long uh, to cure that imbalance to treat that imbalance. And so one part of it is that quick fix mentality. Number two is the reason people are being diagnosed with more chronic uh, conditions now than ever before is because the quality of food has changed. I get a lot of people, a lot of patients saying, well, I grew up on steak and potatoes. Well, that's fine. Absolutely fine. But the quality of the steak and potatoes that you're eating today is not the same as it was even just 30 years ago. Uh, so the food is completely changing and we we have all of these um, delivery services now, right? Blue Apron or um, Farm to Fresh or whatever mm-hmm. these uh, home uh, delivery services are where they give you half-cooked meals and you prepare them. or uh, Because so many people have lost the ability to cook because of the convenience that you were talking about. I see so many people that <laughs> they jokingly say they have a kitchen because it came with the house, right? So few people uh, are one have the ability to cook nourishing foods, but to even enjoy that process. And so the connection is severed between our, our, our physical bodies and our perception of the world. And we're literally handing over the keys to, our happiness to someone else. Yes, I'll pay a copay or I'll pay uh, a monthly insurance bill, uh, just so you can take care of me if anything happens. Right, and that's very easy for people to do, as opposed to being responsible and held accountable for their own health and well-being. Right. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a little bit. Uh, just, a, but it literally is
0: insurance. You know, like you, you mm-hmm. have that insurance if something bad happens. And just to wait until something bad happens is not really medical care. <laughs> but
2: yeah, yeah. And, and that's your short story. where where Ayurveda mm-hmm. excels is that preventative mm-hmm. form of medicine. Um, there's actually six stages in disease of disease in Ayurveda that we talk about. Okay, and the first three let's do this backwards. If you go to the doctor, okay. or if somebody comes to you rather, I should say, uh, and tells you that they have pain, what's the first question you would have asked? Where, where,
0: where is the pain? Yeah.
2: So in Ayurveda, stage four is localization. So that means there's three stages prior to that before that imbalance manifests. And you can point and say, it hurts here in my shoulder that Western medicine can do anything about it. Okay. Stage three is the spread Straight, Stage two is uh, aggravation. And stage one is accumulation.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: What happens when you accumulate a lot of heat, a lot of fire? Burns. Burns. That's what's going to increase the, the inflammatory response. Number two is aggravation. Right. What is the negative side of heat and fire? The burning sensations right once that spreads and let's say leaves the gut and goes to the joints okay that inflammatory response will manifest in a specific joint and cause let's say bursitis okay so it's not until that stage four localization that allopathic medicine can help right at that point now we give either painkillers or you know uh, cortisone or something right to help alleviate that pain In Ayurveda those three stages four stages are absolutely so important because that's what tells us how this imbalance came about right and why? that's why we exactly mm-hmm. and that's why we the ask why. very weird questions if you come and see me I'll ask you very sort of uh <laughs> pinpointed and we, I say weird i I ask you. What's a paid, weird one then? Are you paying your bills on time?
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Why does, why does
2: your doctor need to know that? Are you happy in your marriage? Are you happy with your sex mm-hmm. life? Um, if these are the things that are impacting your health, no herb, supplement, dietary change will help. Right. Until we we treat the the root imbalance. Okay, which in that How do you know which been, one
0: to ask though? Do you ask all of those weird questions or how do you no, know which one?
2: It, 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 it depends. It depends on what the person is, is coming with. Uh, if they're Mm -hmm. coming with gut issues, digestive issues and they manifest or present themselves in a very sort of hypermanic anxious state, well then I know it's probably more to do with the enteric nervous system than the actual food that they're eating. Right. And so there's, there's factors that play into it. Um, I'll even ask things like, uh, have you renovated your house recently? Or do you live near uh, a uh, power uh, plant or uh, you know places with high radiation, power lines, mm-hmm. things like that? Because if those external factors are causing your, your skin condition to worsen, well, that's probably the reason. And unfortunately, I've told many, many people to... You know, get out of the relationship they're in, you know, get a divorce or move houses, quit their jobs, all of these different things, because that is the root imbalance. I can give you so many different things to mask what you're what you're experiencing, mask your symptoms. But that underlying cause will always be the reason. I'll yeah, just and give you a little patients example. Patients have their
0: free will, right? They mm-hmm. decide what they're going to do with the yeah, information.
2: Absolutely. I'll give you an example. And this is a, a drastic example, but it, it paints the picture. We had a guy come to us with a severe uh, eczema. Okay. So much so that he had to wear compression long sleeves because his skin was literally peeling off.
0: Okay. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm.
2: And he, it, it looked horrendous. Uh, looked horrendous. And it would flare up um, every time he would. Uh, come back from a trip okay so flying he worked for uh, a huge tech company Uh, I won't say which one but here in the in the Bay Area Um, and he only worked uh, five days out of the month okay so Sunday he would board a plane from San Francisco to Japan Tokyo uh, and He would have a a training session for for that week and then fly home Saturday night. Okay. And so just for working those five days, he was making a ludicrous amount of money. Okay, And so I told him, look, the the common denominator here is flying and you don't experience these symptoms if you're not flying. So you need to find a a transfer, find find a different job. And he goes, that's, that's impossible. You know, my, my kids are in private school. They're, they're wanting to go to Ivy League colleges. I need money, so on and so forth. Okay. All right, fine. So we gave him some blood purifiers and and things to clean up the, the excess heat and inflammation in, in his blood and, uh, to help some topical oils to help with the flaky, itchy skin. Um, and so this went on for about four or five months and then he sort of stopped coming back, stop following up. And then the pandemic hit and all travel stopped. And so he started doing all of these uh, trainings virtually. And he came back to us about six months uh, after the uh, w- into the pandemic. He says, look at my skin. It's a brand new person. He had a completely different demeanor about himself. And he came in wearing shorts and a t-shirt and he was confident and happy and healthy, and the skin obviously improved. But these are the things, if if there's underlying causes for your imbalances, right, no amount of medication, no changes in diet, no amount of herbal medication or supplements will help without treating that root cause. And that's what Ayurveda is all about.
0: And if you continue, let's say for that patient that you described, like If no amount of medicine can really help, maybe keep it at bay for a short period of time, it's still a short period of time, right? Ultimately, he has to decide what his cure will be if he knows the answer. Do you think he'll fly again?
2: No, absolutely not. (laughs) And that's that's the beauty of Ayurveda. I always say my Mm -hmm. biggest job is simply as an educator, okay? I need to show you what your life could look like. Mm-hmm. once that by happens, feeling better I've, literally exactly once that happens I've done my job mm-hmm. okay you know where the grass is greener you know that if you if you skip coffee or you cut out the alcohol or if you stop eating refined if you stop eating refined sugars and flowers, how your body feels well once you feel that if you feel that it's no longer worth it or it's too difficult to cut those things out then you've made your choice Okay. Then that's a, an active decision that you're participating in.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that's how I feel as a doctor, you know, although I had like much less time to do anything, but you know, you can only take patients to the watering hole or people to the watering hole, but you can't force them to drink. You know, you can just show them. What do you think what it was about flying for that patient? Was it anxiety or was it the radiation or what was it? Do you think?
2: Um so in, in Ayurveda, the, the the three doshas that we talk about are Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. Okay, and these are three. And different... those are
0: combination of the elements, right?
2: Exactly. Vata is mm-hmm. air and space. Pitta is predominantly fire, and Kapha is earth and water. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're flying, you're using a lot of those air and space qualities, and those are the ones that are being aggravated. Okay. And so when you fly, your skin dries out. Uh, you naturally have. Uh, a little bit less uh, circulation happening in the body. There's so many things that happen because your body's in a state of stress. Right? You literally don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Uh, even if you've flown hundreds of times, uh, especially across the Pacific, that's a long journey. Right? And so it was, it was increasing his vata to the point where he was getting all of this uh, dry, itchy, flaky skin. And so that's what was happening in his case. Okay.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So he was vata dosha anyway, and then it was like almost too much vata then, air and space.
2: Uh, he correct? was a pitta prakriti. That's why it showed uh-huh. up as an inflammatory response. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Instead of something like dermatitis. Okay. Got it. It was more eczema related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why it wasn't something like plaque psoriasis would be which would be more kuffa associated.
0: Could you describe the doshas as like a propensity, you know that person's combination or their propensity for getting sick, then those are the areas the susceptibility that they
2: have. Mm-hmm. So vata people uh, are usually thinner, they're lighter framed. Um, they're uh, they have thin skin, all right? you can see all of their blood vessels very clearly they have good vascularity uh, but these are the people that hate regularity they hate routine they always want something different they always want to try something new they uh, get bored very quickly they don't have the the focus attention um, you know stamina uh, to complete a task but they're also very social and creative and expressive and outgoing uh, they uh, make excellent Uh, salespeople, communicators, uh, marketing, literary uh, agents, things like that. There's also a negative side to that Vata Dosha, and that's more of the stress, nervousness, worry, anxiety, just uh, increased central nervous system responses, okay? Uh, So both physically as well as mentally, emotionally. Uh, They're always more of a sympathetic nervous system response, Okay. The second, uh, actually, let's skip over to the third one. The kafa is earth and water, and this is the exact opposite. So these people are a little bit more heavy set. They're a little bit more bulky, big boned. Um, they have very thick skin, and both literally and, and metaphorically. Um, they have very good thick head of hair. Um,
0: I feel like you're describing skin. me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Good skin. Uh, there's also a little bit of. Um, heaviness, dullness, uh, uh, sometimes a, a propensity for uh, low-grade depression and lethargy uh, and just a, a laziness. They're, they're very comfortable people. Okay, They love luxuries of comfortable
0: life. Comfortable on the couch, yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> they love the luxuries of life. They love to be rested, relaxed, and um, they, they enjoy sweets. And then there's your Pitta people. Pitta people are very sharp, focused, acute, ambitious, driven, Um, whatever they set their mind to, they can accomplish. They're more your type A personalities. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also the the negative side to that, which is the anger, irritability, pissiness, sort of moody behavior, temperamental uh, behavior, mood swings. They're usually a little bit more muscular. Uh, they have very, very good digestion. So it's very easy for them to gain weight and very easy for them to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Whereas, a Vata person, it's very difficult for them to gain weight. Cuff a person, it's very difficult for them to lose weight. Pitta uh, people have a lot of heat. And so these are the people that like, uh, you know, CrossFit or Bikram yoga or high intensity interval training, running marathons. They like to feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at these three uh, the, my favorite way to look at the the doshas uh is the three of them sitting in a car uh in a traffic jam. Okay, sitting in in traffic. A vata person is very anxious, they're always checking their watch, trying to figure out what's going on up ahead, um calling their boss letting them know that hey, I'm going to be late or you know calling their meeting. Uh a pit the person is they have their hand on the horn, finger out the window, they're giving themselves a headache and everybody around them a headache.
0: Racial right. slurs, you know, <laughs> exactly.
2: <Yeah. laughs> and a a person has the windows down, music up. I'll get there when I get there. Kind of a mentality, right? And as I was describing these people, well, somebody came to mind, right? Whether it was yourself or uh, your partner or your kids, and so. Everybody has all three of these doshas, which is the interesting part. You can say, well, I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, absolutely. Right? And that's what your prakriti means. Your prakriti just means what combination of vata, pitta, and kapha you have innately, naturally. So me, for example, I'm predominantly pitta and then kapha and then very little vata. Okay, So I know that as a rule of thumb, I will be prone to more inflammatory-like conditions. So it's important for me to avoid anything overly spicy, overly acidic, overly sour, um, uh, alcohol, um, anything that will increase that pitta dosha, that heat in the body. I also know it's important for me because of that kapha dosha in me to exercise regularly. Uh, It's my my weight is very easily controlled by my diet. If I'm eating healthy, it's very easy for me to control my weight, I can increase or decrease it very easily through exercise. Um, If I'm not eating correctly, or if I'm traveling, and I'm eating out and at restaurants and things like that, then that obviously increases the, the kapha dosha. So all of these qualities are what we're looking for. Let me give you an example. How would you describe water physically? Mm,
0: clear and uh, unattainable.
2: <laughs> okay, good. What else?
0: Um, hydration.
2: Okay, I think physical descriptions.
0: Oh, Physical.
2: Yeah, so is um, it wet or dry? Wet. Is it hot or cold?
0: Uh, could be both.
2: Okay, is it thin or thick?
0: neither.
2: So there's 20 different characteristics or, or mm-hmm. adjectives, qualities, gunas they're called, that we use to describe uh, the elements. Right? And based upon how those elements are manifesting is what tells us what to do. It sounds very mm-hmm. matter of fact when I, when I say it and even when I explain it to my patients. Okay? But if you feel that you're puffy and bloated and sw- swollen and full of edema, Right. What's a natural thing? Like just a very simple thing that you should do. Cut the salt. Yeah. Right. Sweat it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or move your body. Right. Things that will clear that lymphatic stagnation and get things moving again. Right. If your skin is very dry, what's the normal, natural thing to do?
0: Drink more.
2: <laughs> Hydrate. Topically, we can apply moisturizers or oils. And so, all of these are very simple ways to look at your life. And when you understand what your constitution is and what your uh, predisposition is to certain imbalances, you can create a routine and a lifestyle that's conducive to your health as opposed to disease. Okay. Um, I would never tell a Pit the predominant person that they should become a lawyer that's a lot of argumentative, uh, nature about them that they, they enjoy it. They always like to be right. They always like to win. And so, but always being in a, in a room like that, uh, in the court courtroom or anything like that, where they're always argumentative and fighting, uh, is creating even more pitta and even more inflammation in the body.
0: More fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And so the strong pitta person should be, uh, a manager or or a leader or uh, someone in charge of making decisions and letting others do the work. Right? Uh, a Vata person because they need routine, they need structure. They should stick to jobs that are uh, that have set structure, set routines. Right? They know that they clock in at nine, clock out at five, and that's it. They're done. Right. Um, they stress themselves out if they're an entrepreneur or if they set their own schedule. And so all of these
0: things. Yeah. It sounds like it's essentially like we know ourselves, you know, it's essentially like knowing yourself because that describes your dosha. And if you know yourself, you can sort of understand yourself and know where your strengths and weaknesses are because you're thinking about it. Like you're actually bringing it into consciousness. Exactly. That's what exactly. it sounds like.
2: That's all it is. That's all it is. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I would say I've been fortunate to be born into this field and, and understand this from a very young age. But a lot of people at 30, 40, 50, 60 years don't know who they are. Don't know what they like, what they don't like, what they represent. There's a concept that's uh, more and more in, in yoga now, but called dharma. Dharma just means your your purpose or your duty here here on earth, all right? And I'm glad you brought up that word consciousness because all all Ayurveda is is a consciousness based approach to medicine. We look at the mind body spirit as a whole and address the issues the imbalances from their root cause. A lot of the times, I I don't do any medical practice. I'd say a quarter of the time, uh, I'm more of a therapist than anything else. Right? Some people just need that connection to themselves. And so we put a lot of emphasis on things like yoga, meditation, all of these sister sciences uh, to Ayurveda. Why? Because they help to foster that connection with yourself. Right? You're now able to... Uh, I lived in a uh, beautiful Barstow. For a, a little bit,
0: okay. I'm ignorant. Where is that? Do you know where that
2: is? <laughs> Barstow is smack dab between LA and Vegas in the high desert. Okay. Um, it's a very um, underprivileged community, uh, and so a lot of blue collar workers. Uh, they either worked for the railroad, or there, there's a big air force base in Barstow. Okay. And so a lot of these people, blue collar workers that I was seeing, they. Have been on so many medications for so many years, right? Mostly opioids, uh, just because of their line of work, that they had no connection, no idea of what their body felt like. Right? They needed something to wake them up in the morning. They needed something to keep them energetic throughout the day. They needed something to manage their blood sugar. They needed something to manage their cholesterol. They needed something to manage, uh, help them fall asleep at night. And so it was literally like a pharmacy inside their body because they were on so many medications. And being able to just connect and foster that connection with who you are was the first step because they hadn't felt what their body feels like in years. And that's always one of the first things that I'm trying to do is get you as a a patient to understand what your body is trying to tell you. I promise you, your body is much smarter than you will ever be, or I will ever be. Right. Yeah.
0: It's really true. It's like how busy our lives have become, you know, like even like technology and work and everything, or how many things we're juggling. It really is too much that we've really forgotten, like the obvious, like how your body feels. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. When we already know, like do you feel like when patients come to see you, they must come to see you because they feel badly, but do you get the sense that they already know you know what's happening?
2: Yes. So I I, I see it's almost an exact split. 50-50. 50% of the of our clients come to us and tell us um, that they have chronic conditions. Okay. They have autoimmune conditions, cancers, uh, they're recovering from radiation or chemo or something chronic that they've been dealing with for many years, they are sick of allopathic medicine and they want to try something different. Okay. The other 50%, however, come to us, tell us they don't feel well. We go, okay, well, what's wrong? I said, nothing, all my lab reports, blood work, everything came back clean. Uh, I go, okay, but then what's wrong? He said, nothing, I just don't feel like myself. And so these are the, those first three stages of imbalance, right, where you're now starting to see that something is not working properly in the body. Maybe once a week, twice a week, right, you're, you're skipping bowel movements. Or a couple times a week you feel the, uh, a weird energy slump in the afternoon, right? which is not natural, which is not normal for you. And so these small, minor, I wouldn't even call them symptoms, I call them imbalances. Before they can manifest into symptoms, they're coming to us and telling us they don't feel well. And that is the preventative form of Ayurveda that we talk about.
0: That's awesome. You know, I was like listening to one of your dad's interviews and he was saying that a significant portion of his um, practice is dealing with that patient's early childhood experiences. Would Mm -hmm. you say that's true?
2: absolutely absolutely those um, formative years the thoughts emotions and feelings that you had are the ones that stick with you okay uh, from a a mental health perspective you look at how many people uh, there's there's a quote and I, I'm forgetting the the origin of it uh, who said it but uh the, the quote goes: "The the way that your parents spoke to you as a child becomes your inner voice. Okay? The way that you talk to yourself." Oh, that
0: nasty voice in the head! <laughs> oh, we, oh crap, that's my parent. That kind of makes sense. Like I, now I'm fidgeting.
1: <laughs>
2: wow, no that actually stress. makes
0: sense. Yeah, the negativity.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that you think wow. is is because of the feelings that your your parents your caregivers. Uh, at those ages, those formative years, uh, told you or gave you, okay? And so if you, don't, if you didn't have that solid, stable, uh, loving, caring, kind, nurturing uh, home uh, or, or even ability to grow up, and it doesn't always have to be parents, right? There was a, a longitudinal study done on the island of Kauai that looked at some of the most successful people in the community. And they all had one thing in common and that was an elder that wasn't a part of the family that they had a strong connection with so having a coach having a teacher having uh, somebody outside of the family that you can go to and talk to and and rely on uh, either for advice or uh, for knowledge right having somebody uh, an elder that you can talk to was the, the common denominator but Uh, how these people spoke to you and the feelings that you had are, is what progresses as you get older. And so when people have negative self doubt or negative um, thoughts and, and uh, this sort of negative feedback loop that we see a lot, um, whether it's anxiety, worry, nervousness, trauma, uh, fear, um, anger, they, they all stem from the feelings they had very, very early on. And that prakriti, unfortunately, though, the, that constitution itself will never change. Okay? But the way they see the world continually evolves. And so they have a, a sort of a jaded picture, right? It's like you're putting on rose-colored glasses. You're, of course, going to see a rose-colored world. Mm-hmm. But it, it's w- not rose. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be positive. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be positive.
0: Interesting. I, sometimes, you know, with, I wonder about you. You know, your father is so famous. You know, Dr. Suhas is so famous in the Ayurvedic medicine field. What was it like for you to grow up? And he must have had an answer for everything, like whatever tantrum you had. or. <laughs> uh,
2: so when, when I was growing up, I knew I wanted to be a doctor very early on. Um, but I always wanted to be a real doctor. Right? I didn't want to do this hippie medicine that my parents did. Right? And so I went to medical school, and uh, it was during an ethics class that they told us, you know you should never get too close or personal with your patients. you should you should always be very formal, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, keep a distance um, emotionally and and be very respectful. And it was just very different from what I'd seen growing up uh, my parents would have patients come to the house uh, they would give out their sh- cell phone numbers um, patients could, would pay whatever they could like on a sliding scale um, they would pay with fruits and vegetables and food uh, sometimes uh, and it, it just the, the relationship that my parents had uh, with their patients was so different so different right the the amount of gratitude and love and respect, um, that they got was phenomenal, and that's what I wanted. Right? I didn't want the the prestige or the respect uh, that's garnished from you know having the letters at the end of your name, but rather the the love and, and care and, and support that comes from being a part of your community. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but growing up, I never thought of this ayurveda as medicine. Right? This was mm-hmm. my life. Right. when i got a cut or a scrape on the playground it was never neosporin and band-aids it was turmeric okay it oh, was turmeric, like a turmeric powder. paste yeah turmeric powder mm. on the on the cut okay whenever i sprained my ankle playing basketball it wasn't uh, rice rest ice compression and elevation which is what we teach in in western medicine it was castor oil packs and heat wraps right um, heat acts as a vasodilator, so it opens up all of the channels and pores and allows the free flow of blood to that area, right? which is what you want when they're swelling. Um, whenever I was sick, it was always steam inhalation and nose drops, oil in the nose, and, and not antihistamines or, or allergy medications or, you know, uh, Robitussin. And so it, it was just a very different world lifestyle that i grew up in um it was your your grandmother's kitchen pharmacy okay it was whatever your mother was making for for lunch and dinner right i, I remember uh, kids used to make fun of me when i took a lunch from from home right just because the the turmeric used to stain the, the lunch box or the, the fork whatever it was um, and so all of these things and just now, uh, I realized that the colleagues that I was in school with, whether it was college, medical school, whatever it was, where they're at in terms of their health and well-being, and even millennials, uh, elder millennials, older millennials who are my age, and 30s, um, or even early 40s, they're experiencing so many different health problems and conditions And we're seeing them at a much younger age than ever before, right? Women going through perimenopause at 40, 45, uh, men having, um, struggling with erectile dysfunction and premature balding, um, things like this in their, in their thirties and forties, where, you know, my, my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, even before all of this stuff happened at 50, 55, 60 years old. And so, these things it's changing our quality of life everything that we're doing on a given day and we're so attached to screens nowadays and there's so much sensorial input all of the the environmental factors that come into uh, play is what ayurveda combats and has a a perfect template i would say right there's a, a concept called called dhinacharya which is the ideal daily routine Dinacharya in Ayurveda, and it talks about how to live your life in accordance with the laws of nature, how to wake up with the sun, how to do stretching and some form of oil massage uh, or dry uh, dry massage uh, in the morning before taking a shower or a bath, why scraping your tongue or doing oil pulling is so good for you, Uh, why drinking just plain hot water, warm water. Is so beneficial for the gut and the digestive system, uh, especially first thing in the morning to kickstart it. And so this this entire template has been laid out, and I'm just I'm happy to see it in mainstream media or modern medicine, even if it's bits and pieces, because the awareness is growing. And like I said, my, my biggest job as a as an Ayurvedic doctor is simply education, is to bring light and shed light on some of these things that haven't been talked about or looked at in the way that we are for many, many years.
0: Definitely. And that was so beautifully said. And like you said earlier in the interview, don't give your car, don't give your keys away. Don't give away your keys to your life because having worked in the other side, you know, they they may or may not care. And I think to give your keys away to a person who may or may not care, it's definitely just not the right thing to do for yourself.
2: And this is a a selfish thing for me to say, but my practice has never been busier since the pandemic. I don't know whether it's fear-based or just more awareness and knowledge, but now more than ever, people are in control of their health. They're taking control of their health. They want to be proactive in their health they know that oh their their father has heart disease so they want their coming and asking of how they can protect their heart health or they know that they're they're immunocompromised so how can they strengthen their immune system and help uh, achieve a better sense of self and, and clarity with their physiology and more and more people are leaning towards holistic alternative forms of medicine just because it gives them the power.
0: And to even like answer the questions, why, you know, to understand, I think that's really, really huge. Because I think the truth about medicine is, you know, it can keep things at bay. But all you're doing is keeping it at bay. And what if there's so much more that you can do to even come off the medications?
1: Yeah.
2: Know, if
0: the power is in you.
2: Mm-hmm. There's countless stories that we have of people who've been on, you know, long-term medications. People uh, diagnosed with MS and Parkinson's, even uh, some of these chronic autoimmune conditions, and them going back to their doctor six months, a year later, and having no signs, no symptoms, uh, being completely off of their medications, and all it is is a shift in uh, in, in mentality and physiology from trying not to die mm-hmm. to living your life to the fullest. Right. So many people, uh, it, it sounds very heat. Uh, yeah. I th- it's totally agree. I
0: think majority of people like try not to die.
2: Right. Right. They Instead exercise, not because they want to celebrate how their body feels, but mm-hmm. rather punish themselves for the cake that they ate. Right. And, If you if you make that change, you get to work, you get to exercise, you get to travel, you get to do all of these things. That's where you see health come to the forefront. Now you're doing things because you want to and not because you're afraid or because you have to.
0: I think as like Western medicine embraces more and more technology, the physical exam is becoming less and less important. Can I ask you, when you palpate someone's pulse, what do you feel?
2: I feel the subjectivity that is lost in normal pulse taking. Okay? We look at qualities like not just the, the pace or the rate, but rather, is it hot or is it cold? Is it sharp? Or is it dull? Is it soft or is it dry? Right. How does it move? How does the pulse feel under the skin? Right. Is it in the same place or is it moving? Right. Is it rhythmic or is it out of sync? So all of these questions, uh, excuse me, all of these uh, characteristics are what we're looking for when we take the pulse and there's also a consciousness based approach to this if i am in a settled place when i take the pulse that will automatically calm down the person sitting across from me whose pulse i'm taking if i'm stressed out and nervous and anxious they will experience those exact same things right and you can you can try it at home it's very easy for you to for you to take your pulse and then have somebody whether it's a partner or a friend or somebody come and put their hand on your shoulder you will see your pulse change because of their presence and so you know as as an ayurvedic practitioner i always say it's so very important to not just practice what you preach but be in a place where you're open and receptive to the other person in and not just ayurveda but in the vedas uh, in india uh, a guest a guest is considered uh, the, the highest or the closest form of God that can ever come to you, uh, can ever visit you. And so when you have a guest in front of you, you're supposed to treat them as you would God. You're supposed to take care of them and nourish them and nurture them um, so that uh, they feel welcome and at peace. And as physicians, this should be our number one responsibility. And sometimes we forget that. Right. We get so caught up in just the the data days or, or or charting or having to get through twenty people a day that you forget to hold space for another human being.
0: Yeah, because I think that interaction is it's profound. It's not just it shouldn't just be passing, or you know but it could be totally profound and impact both. And I, I really like what you say, because no matter how horrible or great an interaction, it's still a learning experience for both, hopefully, you know? And I, I really um, love when I heard your dad talk. He, uh, he was saying, you know, the three pillars of health, diet, exercise, and sleep. But he was also saying he, he, rec- he asks his patients every night to ask herself, What have I done for my mind? What, you know, for happiness and joy? What have I done for my body? And what have I done for my spirit? We never ask ourselves those
1: questions.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And they're very important questions because it's a form of self-reflection. But more importantly, it's a a self-referral process where we're trying to talk to our body and our bodies will talk back there's a saying uh, that says prayer is us talking to god meditation is god talking back right when you're able to quiet the mind and see what the body has to say see what the the soul is trying to tell you it changes the way you uh, interact with yourself and that's what we're going for ayurveda is a very self referral process uh, we're trying to teach you to take care of yourself a little bit better.
0: I love that. Oh my gosh, Dr. Manas, thank you so much for this super interesting conversation. It was such a joy to have you here today. And how can uh, how can patients find
2: you? Sure, our, our website is ayurvedichealing.net. Um, and I'm sure we can post a, a link and uh, my contact information, but uh, we have a, like I said, a beautiful clinic here in Santa Cruz. Uh, right in uh, SoCal, but our website is uh, ayurvedichealing.net
0: thank you so much thank you michelle see you next time on another edition of lost or found please subscribe And follow Dr. Michelle Choi on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. For more information, visit our website, drlosserfound.com.